Well, <clears throat> yes. I have discovered it's doing, this platform is doing it again. I don't know. I might look for a new platform. Um, and that is I'll do a video that's supposed to be a new episode, and it'll add the episode to an older um, recording, an older podcast, which means <laughs> unless a person is auditing my podcast, they won't even realize there's a new podcast, which has been incorporated into an old one. They're two separate uh, podcast, but they're in this under the same, they fall under the older title. So if you open the older title podcast, you'll discover there's actually two podcasts in there. Don't ask me what's, I'm sure it's my fault, you know, mea culpa, put it that way. Um, I'm, I'm willing to take the blame because I haven't figured out why it does that sometimes. It doesn't do it all the time. It just seems to do it to the most freaking annoying, inconvenient times. When I've talked about something I think is very important, and then I discover that it's, you know, been incorporated into some older podcast. Whatever. It's a reality. Forget about it. That's what I say. But I'm making you aware of it in case any of you have any real interest in these podcasts or if you're trying to satiate and, you know, you're trying to um, placate me. It doesn't matter. These recordings will be, eventually these recordings will be um, erased like the previous ones I did. Okay, let's, I don't have a lot of time, so let's get down to it. Let's talk about availability. Yes, availability of all things. Um, everything, and I mean everything except God, everything on this earth is subject to availability. It really is. Um, things you want to buy, like I went to Walmart a few days ago to buy some sparkling grape juice, you know, the Welch's stuff. We call it the Welch's Shiza. Um, they didn't have the type I liked. I like the red, the red grape. Of course, I like the white grape too, but primarily I like the red. Well, they didn't have any. I thought, what doesn't, you know, irresponsible SOVs. So I went to another Walmart. They didn't have any either. So, of course... I'm I'm saying to myself, okay, I see what's going on here. This is a trend. I'm not going to be able to find this stuff at Walmart, which I didn't. But that's not the end of the world, is it? Yeah, I guess it's not. I'm still here. But anyway, it brought to mind this podcast that I'm doing about availability. Sometimes we get used to things being available, and then we discover they're not. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So we have to say to ourselves two things. Do we just give up wanting uh, or needing? Because some things are needed. Oxygen is needed. Water is needed. You can't just say, I'm not going to breathe anymore, unless you have a death wish. And you certainly can't say, okay, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking water anymore, knowing that water sustains life. Among other things, water is very important. Whether you get it in you know, an alcoholic beverage, or you get it in an energy drink, or just good old from the tap. You know, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. Water itself is important to sustain life. That's just the way it goes. But there's other things in life that we need to, well, I guess with everything you could you need, you don't really need to do everything in a categorization. You really don't need to. It's Life does it for you, so... Don't, don't put too much effort into it. But I would suggest this. I would suggest with 
Okay. But things like, you know, air and water and all that, you already know. Um, you don't have to make a note that you need these things to live. It's unnecessary. But the other things in life you may want to char characterize and categorize as needs and wants. And I'm going to tell you there's a purpose for that I'm telling you this. I never do things without a purpose. Classifying things as needs and wants gives us clarity to the things that we really need and the things we don't really need. So the things we do need to live and the things that we could um, exist, existence is the lowest level of life. To exist is just to be alive. To live is to be anxiously engaged in life and accomplishing. Some people bounce back and forth between existing and living. Other people um, live pretty close to total living, meaning they're very independent um, emotionally, financially, you know, all those different classifications. They're very independent, so they can live life more abundantly, um, spiritually, etc. Then there are some people who, because they have lived or are living a subsistence level existence, um, that they, oh, I'm going to sneeze. Oh, my goodness. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. People who have lived or are living at a subsistence level, they're just getting by, or maybe they're they're getting by in debt, because some people live in debt. They're getting by in debt, are more prone to do outrageous and irresponsible things to feel like they're alive. So they'll spend money they don't have, meaning they'll have a budget, They'll know what they have coming in. They know what they have going out. And they know they don't have extra money to do what they want to do. And they do it anyway. They don't pay the bill or they postpone it or whatever. And then the realities of life are more pressing on them because when they have to face the reality of having bills they can't pay, it's very stressful. It's um, disappointing. It's depressing. In some case, for me, it's depressing. I hate not being able to. Well, I mean, I haven't had that in a while, but I'm just saying. I've been, and before, I've been in situations. Uh, I owed a supply company over $6,000 I couldn't pay one time. Yeah. And I had to make monthly payments for two and a half years to pay it off. Then they closed my freaking account, even though I faithfully paid and paid interest on it for two and a half years. When it was done, they closed my account. Wouldn't sell to me on account. Yeah. Well, whatever. I would get around that. The point I'm trying to make is that until a person is able to truly identify through budgets and through various techniques, like I suggest, making a list of needs and wants and then applying the needs and the wants to a budget to see if maybe some of those wants can be satisfied yeah. you know, within the money that's available to you. And when I say available to you, I'm talking about recurring income, not um, income that is um, non-recurring or occasional. In other words, whatever you have coming in that you can depend upon, like every week you know you're going to make this much money, 
that should be your budget. And that should be applied to um, the things, the needs of life. Now, if you have a second job or you do things, you know, you have a little side business or something and you're making this amount this week and sometimes more, sometimes less, that is the type of income you should be applying to wants. You know, the chocolate, uh, the new shoes, whatever it is your vice is. For me, it's pens. Like not long ago, I bought a, a ballpoint pen for like $250, something like that. Most people would think that's freaking outrageous. The hell are you doing? I like pens. I like good quality pens. And Faber-Castell um, is a pen from Germany. Um, they make very good fountain. I have a fountain pen and a ballpoint pen from them. Um, so I get about $1,000 worth of pens. I like pens. I have the money I can afford to buy these pens. So I'm buying them. <laughs> well, I already bought them, so it's too late now. My point is I'm not using bill money to buy pens with. Just like I didn't use bill money to buy my computers or my cars, and the, I didn't use money I had to pay bills with. I used money I had that was independent of the needs. Now, I needed a car, but I also wanted a certain type of car. Um, so for me, it was, okay, do I put a down payment down and have monthly payments every month, which I don't want because of the freaking interest. I didn't want to pay somebody for the, you know, I didn't want to pay somebody to rent a car until it was paid off and then call it mine. I looked at the interest rate, what the interest rate was going to be. I looked at what the interest would be over the years, and I decided I don't want to pay somebody else for the privilege of driving this car. I want to own it outright, and that way, uh, if I want to give it away, whatever I want to do with it, it's mine, and I have um, the authority to do it. So if I, at first, if I couldn't drive any longer, it would go to my daughter. And my other car would go to my son and my scout. I don't know who's going to get that. But the point is, is that when you actually separate needs from wants and you budget according to needs and wants and you apply recurring income to needs in, um, how would you call it? Inconsistent income, I guess is the one way to call it, one way to term it, um, which is money for your birthday, money for your from your side business, or you sold something you never use. What's the sense of having it? It doesn't make sense. To me, it doesn't make sense to have things you don't use. I'm a throwaway person or a giveaway person. If I have stuff that I don't really use, it's going out the door. I don't want it. You know, that's the way it is. That's how I am. I don't want it. That's me. Um, and usually what I do is if it's in good shape, I want somebody to have it. Maybe they can get used to of it, you know. And so, like, old cell phones and stuff. Um, I've been known to give those away in computers and iPads, especially to my kids. They come first. And uh, my son has an old MacBook of mine. He loves it. He also got an iPad. He loves that. The iPad Pro is pretty good. Pretty good series. But, but what I'm saying is, is I wasn't using these. I bought new ones. So I gave them to him. Um, and he's enjoying them, and he likes them. They're working for him. Why would I want to hang on to old devices that were doing nothing for me? That's the thing. But let's stick to the major subject. The major subject is um, availability.
Inflation is at 7% right now. So that means for every $100 you spend, we, you get the tax, the sales tax and everything. It's costing you an extra 7%. So let me do this mathematically for you. So in my state, for instance, where, where I live is a 7% sales tax on things you buy. Because of inflation, I'm really paying 14%. Because inflation has gone up 7%. So it's inflated the price of commodities um, 7%. In the last uh, week and a half, maybe closer to two weeks, less than two weeks, but close, I've spent over $450 in groceries because of the foods I like to eat and stuff I like to have in the house for guests and things like that. Um, that's what I spent. And I was just, I found myself thinking, I live alone and I'm spending $450 in less than two weeks. On a month, it's probably around $900 to 1000 a month on food. Um, because, of, like I said, the foods I like to eat and, and different things like that. But the point was, I was thinking to myself, I'm living alone and I'm spending that much money on food. What is a family spending on food? Now, they're probably not eating the foods I eat, like salmon and you know, gourmet-type foods, um, which I like, healthy foods, raspberries, blueberries, all that kind of stuff, and juices and whatever. Maybe they're not buying those types of foods, but I bet you I bet you they're shelling out some money for the food they're you know, feeding their kids. And then with gasoline prices, which gasoline for my one car is almost $4 a gallon, and the gasoline for the other car is like three fifty-seven, I think, something like that. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is my living alone and having these expenses and not being happy with it, of course, I think to myself, it must be crushing for a husband and wife and children, a few children, a couple of children. How many they have, who knows? But the point is, if I'm spending that much for my style, and even if I dummied it down to where I was spending, say, 600 a month or 500 a month, if you extrapolate that out, that means that family is probably spending $1,100 a month on food because of inflation. The 7% inflation factors in quite a bit, but the point I'm trying to make is things are more expensive. So if a person isn't making decent money in managing their money and, and applying their recurring monies to um, the needs, they're in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And if they don't have an established budget and they're not looking at things as needs and wants, they're in a world of the stinky stuff. I'm serious. Um, I sit down with people sometimes and help them work through and they're shocked. Um, I did this not long ago. Well, I did it with my son too, because I was mad because he kept asking me for money. And the thing was, is uh, you know, <laughs> his wife works, he works, and I said, "Look, it, there's two of you. You both work. You're making twenty something dollars an hour. How is it you don't have money? What's going on?" Well, he tells me one thing that she spends thirty or forty, between thirty and forty dollars a day on treats. I said, that's freaking outrageous. That's ridiculous. He said, no, but she works like 14-hour days, 16-hour days. So she eats out. And I said, look it. 
30 to $40 a day for freaking BS treats? That's ridiculous. That's insane. I said, do you realize that if it's $30 a month, that's roughly $900 a month is going out for BS foods. It's $1,200 if it's $40 a day. So if you add, you know, if you averaged between 30 and 40, which is 35, um, I, I said, then you're talking, what, $600, $750 a month for food on the go, crap, sugary drinks, peanuts, all this BS stuff she drinks, not to mention the health, the effect upon her body. I mean, good bud. But the point I was trying to make to him is you guys aren't, you know, she's spending 30 to 40 a day, but you're not looking at it from a monthly budget, which is, you know, sweetie. So you should tell her, hey, you're spending between $900 and $1,200 a month on trash, trash food. Why don't you pack yourself a lunch or buy the treats in bulk from Walmart and pack yourself a little lunch to go with her? And, you know, in other words, satisfy the want. Because she doesn't need this crap. Satisfy the want by using a different method to satisfy it. So instead of just going to convenience stores and spending your money, pack, you know, a lunch or something. Pack uh, a survival kit, if you want to call it that. Whatever you want to call it. Go to Walmart. Buy this stuff in bulk. And put two bags of M&M's, a baby Ruth. you know, salt and vinegar chips, two energy drinks, whatever it is, bottled water. Put yourself a care package together. And I said, and I guarantee you, you'll dramatically drop the money you're spending on BS. Stop eating out so much. Eat out once, like on a Friday. Go on a date night. Go to a restaurant on Friday. So now you're going out to eat four times a month instead of every other day. So in other words, I sat down and practically laid out for him a plan. And that was with investing some money and doing this and doing that. And the whole plan was to um, position him so he could be independent and manage his money. Um, and I've done that with people. And people, like I have a friend who smokes. And I said, okay, um, how many packs do you smoke a day? And they said one. I said, okay. So, well, my husband smokes too. And I said, okay, how much does he smoke? Uh, he smokes about one a day. I said, okay, so we got roughly, say, $15. Because it's eight dollars and something, I think, for cigarettes now. I don't, I don't smoke, so I'm, I just see the prices. So I said, to him, "Okay, fifteen dollars a day for cigarettes, right? Fifteen times thirty is four hundred and fifty. You're spending four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Yeah, a month. Four hundred and fifty a month to smoke cigarettes. Yeah." So I said, so what's 450 times 12? And I said, I'll, I'll make it easy for you. Just do it like this. This is how you do this kind of math. Um, 450 times 10 is 4,500. 45 times 2, or 450 times 2 is 900. You're spending $5,400 on cigarettes a year. That's what you're spending. Yeah, so you're making $40,000 a year. You're spending over one-eighth of your pay in cigarettes. And she said, oh, wow, that's crazy. I said, I think it is. And if you add alcohol on top of that and you see what it costs to drink, 
uh, you might be spending easily $10,000, $12,000 on cigarettes and alcohol per year, um, you know, because that's that's your activity. So I was helping her see that not only the health benefits, for heaven's sakes, but I said, think of the money you'll save if you stop smoking. So she's working on it. But that's a tremendous amount of money to be spending for something that endangers your health and could burn your house down or your car or whatever. Cigarettes are dangerous, you know, they are. But until you do this type of analysis, you will never really know where you're at. Because the old saying, easy come, easy go, is true. Money comes in, money goes out. Your money goes in, money goes out. If you don't keep track of it and you don't stay within the budget, you don't even realize you're spending the money till you don't have money. That's how it works. Um, I speak from experience. <laughs> I do because I like to spend money like most people. I like nice things, um, but I don't have to have the best. For instance, I bought a Subaru Outback. Um, I brought the middle of the road. I didn't buy the base model and I didn't buy the limited model. I bought the premium, I think it's called has a lot of bells and whistles. It's comfortable. Gets great gas mileage. Very dependable. Um, a lot of room. So there's a lot of positives to it. Um, now, I could have gotten a limited and paid $8,000 more. You know, I wasn't willing to spend $8,000. I, I did not see $8,000 of value in a limited when I didn't need and really want it. I wanted a little three series BMW to mess around in and have fun in. So I purposely bought a cheaper model Subaru, which was a newer vehicle and bought an older BMW, about a 2011 BMW for 12 grand. So the cumulative amount of money was $38,000 for two cars. Um, Cause I paid cash for, I didn't want any interest. I didn't want loans. I didn't want any of that BS because I wanted them to be mine and me to do what I wanted to do with them. Now I could have said, um, and I did tremendous amounts of research, like four months to find that BMW. I didn't just run out and find one and buy it. I, I spent four months doing research, looking around, uh, seeing YouTube videos on people who own them, what they had to do, what was the maintenance, what, what things am I going to have to deal with? All that kind of, I did all that stuff. Subaru too. Oh, the Subaru didn't take that long. It was easier to make a decision on that because I'd done prior research. But the thing is, I didn't rush out and buy it. I took my time. I found the vehicle I wanted and paid within the budget I had for money to buy the vehicle I wanted. I didn't go. I didn't say, well, you know, all I got is $26,000, but I really want that limited. So I'm going to get a loan for the rest. I had the money that I could have bought the limited. I didn't want to. I wanted, I wanted uh, everything the um, Subaru had to give in an outlook without paying a premium price. And so I bought a pre-owned, got an extra two-year warranty, I think, on it. I think it's two years or three years. But I got the dealer warranty because it's been owned by a dealer. Got this extra, you know, warranty on stuff. Got a vehicle only had 8,000 miles on it or 8,500, something like that. In other words, I got a pretty good vehicle. It was only a year old, calendar year old, you know, by by model. It was a 2020, bought it in 21. Um, 8,500 miles, I think. 
It's all it had. It was clean. No accidents. None of that stuff. And an extra two-year warranty. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that when haste does make waste, if you race out and buy something, you may end up with something that's, one, not really to your benefit. It doesn't really um, serve your needs. And then you spend extra money on something you didn't even, you thought you wanted, but you, after, you know, buying it and driving it, you realize that it wasn't really what you wanted. And that happens a lot to people. It's happened to me, too. I bought a ring which had three sapphires in it. You know what that ring is now? It sits in the bathroom on a shelf. I never wear it. Yeah. Um, I'm just just not into it. I saw it, really liked it, wanted it, bought it, wore it a few times, and then decided I'll just give it to one of my kids later on because I, I lost interest in it. It was an impulse buy. Um, that was a great deal. It's a 14 karat it's a 14 karat ring with three blue sapphires that was made in 1940, I think, or 1937, something like that. So it's an antique ring. And because I bought it as a ring and not as the gold, I got a heck of a deal on it. It's worth more just as gold than it is as a ring. But um, somebody sold it as a ring. I got it as a ring. And now I have a ring that's worth more as gold than it is as a ring. Um, and that's one of the reasons I bought it as a ring uh, was because uh, I wanted to not pay the premium price for the gold. So the person wasn't selling it based on its gold value. They were selling it as a ring based on what they wanted to get out of it, which worked for me. So they got this gorgeous ring with three blue sapphires for $350. And, and the gold is worth more than that. You know, let me tell you something about precious stones. They're not precious. Semi-precious are not precious. They have industry grades, and the scarcity uh, for most gemstones is artificial. Um, I bought a freaking fire opal in South Korea when I was there for $12, a one-and-a-half-carat ring. Or two-carat? I don't know. It was one-and-a-half or two-carat um, blood opal. I gave it to my mother. It cost me 12 bucks. So it depends on the region you're in, the availability, all that kind of stuff. The point I'm trying to make is they make them semi-precious or precious. They're really not. When you sell your ring with stones in it, if it's not a good diamond or something or a ruby or something like that, you know, good-sized sapphire, those types of stones, because those are the highest stones in hardness. It goes diamond, ruby, sapphire. I can't remember the rest of them. But anyways... The stones are virtually worthless to them. They, they get them so cheap, unless it's an exquisite stone, like a really good diamond or an emerald or a ruby in a good size. Um, I mean, they just throw it in a pile of stones. Seriously, I've seen it at jewelers. They have like this little basin that's got stones in it. They, just, they pull the stones out and throw it on, and they melt the gold down and make a ring out of it. Um, that's what they do. The gold is what's worth the money, not the stone. So think about that. Um, for instance, if you're going to dump a ring you have and it has stones in it, have them pull the stones out and give you the stones. Don't just give them the ring with the stones because you're not going to make any money off the stones. They'll tell you that, um, that the gold, they'll tell you, okay, well, the gold weighs in at this and they'll pay you for the gold. They will not pay you for the stones. Sometimes they'll even say to you, 
He wants the stones because they don't want them. To which I would tell you, say, yes, I, I want to keep the stones. They have sentimental value or whatever um, because you're not going to make anything from them and you're just giving them stones for nothing. And then if somebody um, orders a ring and wants blue sapphires, yeah, your blue sapphires may end up in that ring to which you made nothing from, which they boosted the price of the ring or whatever it is they created. It inflated the price because you gave them the stones. Yeah. Um, let's recap because my daughter's going to be here in a few minutes. Uh, the recap is this. You got to have budget. Everybody, even little old me, has to have a budget. Number two, you have to live by the budget. That's it. So you can't buy wants that exceed your budget. You have to creatively find ways for the needs. If your needs exceed your budget, you've got to do something about it. Like if you're in an expensive apartment, you'll have to move or move in with somebody or something like that. If your food budget is exceeding your budget, then you need to stop. Cut out the fast food, cut out the treats, cut out the Cokes, cut out the cigarettes, cut out the alcohol. Whatever modification you need to make to your lifestyle, you got to make it. That's, that's it. You just got to make it. Um, now, if you have a secondary source of income, which is, you know, an infrequent you know, income or well, I was, what I would say is an undependable income because you cannot depend on spurious income. You can't. You get in a world of you know what if you count on um, undependable income, which is, you know, um, like your second business or relatives, friends, anything like that, because, you know, their lives, they're doing things in their life and, and they may not be possible. It might not be possible for them to assist you. Um, any other sources of income, income tax returns, um, rebates, return of merchandise, uh, they have to send it back to the factory. Anything like that is undependable income. Paychecks that you work for, um, annuities, that that's dependable income. Um, stocks, bonds, cryptos, undependable. Right now, cryptos are getting kicked in the teeth. I know. I'm down about a third, 35, 40% on mine. Oh, they're improving incrementally. Um, but right now, <laughs> right now they're on freaking their last leg. They're getting better, but they're still down quite a bit. At least mine are, but I have very safe, uh, cryptos. If there's such a thing. Um, mine are very performance driven and have historically been proven to be safe. So that's what I'm banking on. Now, when they go nuts, yes, I could do very well, but I'm not doing very well right now. I just, so I live within my means. I made some changes to my lifestyle. There's things I want to do, but can't do. Um, and the, those are consequences of, um, life. Yeah. Consequences of life. The thing is, is that. If you don't have a budget, if you don't clearly define your needs from your wants, list them and realize what you're spending and make adjustments to your life, you'll live under constant stress and fear, disappointment, um, yeah, which is unnecessary. 
for the most part. Because I usually tell people, look, if you can't completely wipe out... um, Oops, it sounds like my daughter's at the door. If you can't completely wipe out your debt through spurious expenditure or something, you can at least reduce it and reduce it dramatically. And go that route. Hey, oh, I thought she had your key. I couldn't find the right key in the car. Oh. <laughs> well, my daughter is here, so I'm saying goodbye to you all. Go and eat cake. Cake is a great panacea for all our ills, at least mine. All right, say goodbye. Goodbye. I'm working my way back to my phone, which is upstairs. If he, like Ace Ventura said, and uh, what was it? Oh, not Pet Detective. What's the other one? Ace Ventura. I can't remember. No, I see the title. It's funny. I can't bring it up out of my mind. Um, There's something to do with the wild or something. You know, if, if you repent, you shall be saved. Yeah. So if you get a budget, categorize needs and wants, um, control your spending, live within your means, you have a very happy, satisfied life. Then you have to deal with the Biden administration and their stupidity and the freaking inflation you're going to have to deal with, the things of life. But at least you'll have, you'll feel, and not only feel, you will have more control of your life. Okay. Dosis Aulis. Um, Vita Zane.